Welcome to The Gathering Place, a Blessed is She podcast. We're so glad you're here. Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hey, Beth. Hi, Jenna. How are you? So good. Really? Well, we have some special guests with us today. (laughs) I was like, who is it? And then I remembered. (laughs) We have here St. John the Beloved, first class relic. Wow. And St. Teresa of Avila, another first class relic. This is what the people on YouTube do, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it'll work. (laughs) It's very exciting. Were you excited? I love relics. Yeah. I love saints is probably the way I should say that. I love the saints. So yeah, it was really special. I have a special love for both of these saints. And it made a lot of sense why Teresa of Avila kind of was coming on the scene. Mm. But John the Beloved coming into this house, coming for me, meant a lot. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. I felt that very personally. We have a friend named Father Frankie. He's a priest here in the Diocese of Phoenix. He brought these relics. Crazy that people just have relics. I was like, Father, what are you doing with these? He said, he, so it was really funny. We were having a worship night at my house. Mm-hmm. You were here. Kelsey wasn't here. It was a deep pain in my heart. Mm-hmm, same. Anyway, so Father walks in. He was late. And then all of a sudden, I like open my eyes in the middle of worship, and there was just two relics sitting on my counter. I was like, what's going on? Then I couldn't ask him because we were in the middle of worship. So I had to wait till the very end of the night. And I was like, Father, who'd you bring? Then he told me it was St. Teresa of Avila because we're going to name this baby Avila. And then St. John the Beloved for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a curveball. Yeah. And yet, it makes perfect sense. Totally. You know? Yes. Yeah, so we've been doing these worship nights for... A year? Yeah, we realized that. So crazy. It started in the midst of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were separated from the sacraments for a time here in Phoenix. I know it's been different wherever you are in the world, but early on, we were just feeling the effects of that in a very intense way. And so we thought, well, we can worship together. We can pray together Mm -hmm. and got a little small group together right here. In your basement. Yep. <laughs> you were here. I was here. Father Parks came. Mary Kastner, who leads worship on our retreats and revivals, she came. And Sarah Erickson, shout out, one of our Devo writers and dear friends. And Mike. I remember as soon as Mary started strumming, mm. I just felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. We all dove in quickly yeah. and deeply because we were so hungry for the presence of God. And it was so special. And kind of afterwards, we just sort of shared what we got in prayer and what the Lord was saying to each of us and kind of what we perceived for this time, even corporately for the church, for the ministry. And it was so good. It became a thing. It's not like a regular event. right? We just put out a little text and say, hey, can you pray on this night? And the group changes, it's grown, it's different sometimes. Kelsey comes, you know, when she doesn't have other plans. <laughs> She's very popular. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> One time, Father Parks brought a stranger. He was at a coffee shop wearing his clerics, of Which course. is his favorite place to evangelize. He loves to do email from a coffee shop or a restaurant and wear clerics. He likes to just be out present to people and available 
and people do approach him. I mean, he's also a master evangelist for servers, yeah. one of his favorite groups of people to talk to about the Lord. Um, but on that particular day, this young guy approached him and, and kind of asked him about the Holy Spirit yeah. out of the blue. Yeah. And Father was like, hey, this is kind of weird, but I'm going to pray with some people tonight. Do you want to come? Yeah. And Jen, Jenna was like, sure, invite this stranger over to my house yeah. for us to pray together. And it was one of the most powerful nights of, of prayer and just experiences of the love of God that I've ever had. I like really treasure that night and that prayer and those images the Lord gave and, and the way I saw the heart of God on display for, for this guy, Zach. Shout out, Zach. He's not watching. He's definitely listening. He's a <laughs> podcast listener, not a YouTuber. Okay. <laughs> it's been interesting. What have you loved about it? Well, it's so funny. I was on a walk this morning. And there was this gentleman working on a roof. And you know, it's hot here in Arizona. It's like 80 degrees out at seven in the morning. And I just saw him like chugging water on the roof. And I was like, he's so thirsty, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like hot. And I was like, that's how it is with the Lord. We're just like living our lives and in desperate need to drink deeply and heartily mm. from the living water himself. Just like soak him in, you know? I think that's what worship does for me, mm. is it's this, this moment of total physical surrender, heart surrender, mind surrender, everything, everything about my life is just before the throne of God in total surrender. And I get to drink deeply of the presence of our Lord, and he never runs dry. Mm. And my parched soul has tons of water and water and water and grace. So that's what it is for me. It's life-sustaining. Obviously, the Eucharist is, and in like a physical way, I'm so grateful that the Eucharist is like a physical, gosh, that he came and he physically gives us life. And so I just love this like spiritual element too. Well, they're almost, I know that thirst can masquerade as hunger, Mm. but in a way they are two different things. Yeah. So we're being fed physically by the church. We're being nourished by the Eucharist. Yeah. But there's, there's a thirst like water can rush over and fill places that food can't. Totally. It's more pliable. Yeah. Liquid can like get into crevices. Yeah. Yeah. And even where there isn't a crack can just mm. soak into the ground. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful distinction. Yeah. Yeah, so they've just been such a gift to me. Mike and I, which I've shared on the podcast before, will occasionally just like worship as a family. So in Galatians 2, it says, Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? And it just reminded me of like my first time in worship, praise and worship, where I heard someone speaking the truth and I believed it mm. and I like took it as my own. And I said, this is real. And I gave my life to the Lord in a physical way, right? Not just like contemplative and quiet, but like in a physical manifestation of like. You were moved yes. to faith. Yes. Yeah. 
and your posture express exactly that surrender. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just like St. Dominic. I was thinking of it. Yeah, yeah. Totally. We'll, we'll get to St. Dominic in a minute. So then he goes on in verse four, St. Paul. Did you experience so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing. Well, then does God supply you with the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? But what was so beautiful to me was that he's saying the spirit is now working in you, not by the works of the law, but by your believing what you heard. And so worship for me has been such a beautiful expression of a personal empowerment of belief and of faith Wow, that has then spread out to the people around me. Mm. And I want them to believe what they heard. And I want the works of the Holy Spirit to work miracles in their lives like it has in my life by believing what we heard through worship. Does that make sense? Totally. Like the people that are in that room have all been touched in some way by the gift of worship and surrender in this way, particular way. Mm -hmm. And I feel so drawn that all of us in that room are called to invite others into this experience to also believe Mm. what they hear. Because in worship, right, you're like hearing something. There's music. There's like an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in in different gifts. It makes sense to me that worship satisfies you in this way Mm. because your life is so outward for others. Like the love that you have of the Lord does radiate out specifically through your marriage and your children into your family. But an extension of that, an ex- a deeper expression and a wider expression of that is blessed is she. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense to me that you would be drawn to have this like outward mm. kind of reaching, opening, widening. Yeah. That that's how you would feel connected to the Lord. Yeah. It's almost a sign of an interior reality for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Totally. That's beautiful. When I think about the fact that there are just angels and saints worshiping the Lord right now Mm -hmm. in heaven. Mm -hmm. I I just want to join in their song with like every single fiber of my being. Mm -hmm. I remember one of my like very first tweets, I think I had a different account name. It was probably Mrs. Gies or something, but it was, quote, you know that kind of worship, arms spread in total surrender, question mark? Yeah, I want that with my life. That's how deeply... I want to live this like bodily surrender is that my life interiorly would exemplify what I'm doing exteriorly. Mm -hmm. I like cannot explain how deeply this like means to me. I have tasted that kind of freedom Mm. in prayer, in worship, but I can feel that I'm still tethered in some ways. Yeah. Like I understand intellectually and through some experience what freedom feels like, tastes like, and just that um, taste alone (laughs) makes me want it so badly, makes me like crave it, and at the same time illuminates all of the attachments that I have now that are preventing me from spreading my arms wide open. In fact, there are times that I'll be in prayer and I can physically feel like my my chest, my heart kind of closed in on itself, mm. almost like trying to protect myself even in prayer. Yeah. And so the act of worship, almost the discipline of worship, wow. 
is that I would come out of myself, yeah. get my eyes off of myself, and give to the Lord what is due to him because he's so worthy. And what does he do in worship? He like restores yes. our dignity. He redeems our purity. He aligns our, our vision of ourselves and our lives with his kingdom, his, his eternal perspective. Yes, yeah, so worship is not only a desire of my heart to return to the Lord, it's actually the way that I become free. Wow. It's not only an expression of freedom, it's the way I become free. Yes. There's this um, verse in Revelation that talks about all the elders casting their crowns. You know, they're around the throne in worship, casting their crowns. They're like throwing down, here's everything. Here's my position. Here's my wealth. Here's my dignity. Here's my importance, my self-importance. Identity. Identity. Here are my possessions. Take everything, Lord. They're casting their crowns. And I remember in worship, uh, one of my favorite worship leaders was praying with this scripture. And he said, why are they always casting their crowns? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it just be one time that they throw it down and they give it to the Lord? But every time they throw down their crown in worship, in adoration, the Lord comes and places it back on their head. Mm. He gives them back their dignity. And that's the movement of worship, is that we're pouring out, we're giving the Lord everything, and He's giving us mm. everything. BD, worship is usually attributed with like Pentecostals, Baptists, <laughs> right, right. Protestants in general. Or like the charismatic renewal in the church. Yeah. And people think worship is for those kind of people. Right. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we are those kind of people. <laughs> That's my first thought. That's the first disclaimer. But my second thought is we are all those kind of people because we all were made for worship. I remember being at a, a Cardinals game. Okay. I'm not big into sports. Yeah. But I went just for like a fun thing to do. You know? Oh, okay. And it was it was like being on another planet. It was overwhelming how invested people are in the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So I was having this whole experience of like prayer and like teaching. Okay. Walking around the stadium. Okay. Because first of all, you have to get there hours early. People are tailgating. Yes. They're in all the gear. I'm just mentally racking up the amount of money people have invested. It's crazy. Tickets, merch, gear, food, beer, beer. Then I'm thinking, I'm tallying the time, right? Mm -hmm. All day. Then I'm looking, weekends, multiple yeah. weekends, right? They're raising their children in this culture of Arizona Cardinals. And you see this in families, right? People like love sports and their family, they're Mets people. Yeah. Somebody's going to get mad about that, you know, because you're a sports person. I don't know. Well, I'm a sports person. Or they're like... Well, I'm not... I guess I'm not like into a team. They're like sons. Everybody's sons. That was for Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. a part of their identity. Yeah. I mean, you can see this is a place of belonging. Yes. Family. They get um, season tickets and then they know the people around them. They're doing life with these people. It was like being at church. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when, when your team scores, your arms immediately go up, like in, in cheering. 
Well, because it's this is a touchdown. I think I think they're also excited. I don't think everybody's <laughs> doing goalposts. Like, uh, I don't think it's <gasps> that. I think they're like, yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Same at like concerts, right? You just get like swept up in the music and you're like moved. You're like, yeah, my song, whatever. We were made for worship. You are worshiping something. The question is, is it Jesus Christ? Because you are spending your life worshiping. When I'm on my phone scrolling, I'm worshiping at an altar. I'm giving my time and my attention to something that is not the Lord. I'm attached to something that is not the Lord. I'm not trying to vilify social media. It's just an example for me of something that I find that I'm drawn to, that I'm giving my time, my emotions, so my affection to more than I am to the Lord. We do this, and in all different ways, the Arizona Cardinals is just one example of that, but we're looking to belong. Mm-hmm. It's why people sign up for a ministry at the church, and that becomes their thing, yeah. their platform, their, their cause, their community. And yes, the Lord is it's around the church, but if we peel everything back, is it about giving worship to God, wow. or are we worshiping our gift? Are we worshiping our team? Are we worshiping a celebrity? I know that might seem like very basic, like I don't have celebrity worship. I think we're more attached to other idols than we think we are. And worship cleanses us Mm. of that idolatry. Well, it like right orders us. Yes. It reminds us again. Yeah. Who's primary. This is why I exist. This is who my life is for. Yes. I was on the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. We got to go to their convent in Nashville, yeah, which was like such a gift. I had never been to one. Mm. It was so cool yeah. to see their like community life and just really beautiful. Mm-hmm. If you ever have the chance to go to a convent, I just want to highly recommend to go. How do you do that? You just like email them? Sure. And just go visit? Call, whatever. Okay. And they usually just let you in? It depends on the order. Okay. Yeah. Depends on the community. Okay. Anyway, it was incredible. So as I was kind of reading up on Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia, and I think my daughter Cecilia was reading up on them a little bit, I stumbled upon this page on their website all about the nine ways that St. Dominic prays. And I was like, ooh, I like I'm very interested in how certain saints pray. I just Mm -hmm. think it's really fun. I love looking at or researching just like an order of life and a rule of life for certain orders. I just think it's fascinating. Shout out to Father Mark Mary, Habits for Holiness, if you want to learn about the Franciscan way of life. So this website said the nine ways St. Dominic prays. And they were all physical postures in prayer that mm-hmm. St. Dominic did and that he like wrote about or shared about with his fellow priests, brothers. And some of them are really surprising. It was crazy. Yeah. You look at these renderings and i think they have photos of yeah. the priest praying in that yes way. you're like wait is this worship right is he in praise and worship yeah because that's what it looks like totally that's how he's moving his body yeah so one of them is him just standing at the foot of jesus at the cross with his arms open i'm like yeah that's literally what i'm imagining when i'm in worship just standing at the foot of the cross with my heart arms out to jesus i'm i just want to cry it's insane yeah saint dominic yes other dominicans yeah He prayed in this physical posture, not just an interior posture. Mm -hmm. We are human. We are enfleshed bodily. Yeah. 
it, it's back to what Father Parks is always sharing, that Jesus came to give us the sacraments, and he used these tangible physical realities to communicate deep spiritual realities. He understands that we are human, that we have bodies. And to engage our body in prayer is to invite a deeper union and communion with God. Like standing with our arms spread wide, If even if I'm not feeling open, standing like that is almost setting me up to experience that kind of freedom. Yeah, It's meditating on Christ's arms spread on the cross. It's being received into his open arms. The layers, mm-hmm. the depth that just standing in prayer with my arms spread wide can facilitate is incredible. Yeah. I thought about Mary at the foot of Jesus, just like her posture of pouring it all out mm-hmm. on him. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do when we kneel, when, when we prostrate ourselves. We're saying, you are worthy of all of this, of all of our affection, mm-hmm. of all of our life you're worthy of my total surrender to you. Anyway, so I just am like fascinated by this physical expression of prayer. I just think it's beautiful. I even think about my kids, Gabby running up to me and putting her arms up to me. Like she wants to be held by me. I'm standing there and my arms are up to the father who will always hold me. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, I love you and you love me. And I never want this to end. And I want interiorly this to be my foundation. Mm -hmm. And I think to your point, it is very Catholic. Totally. It's in our tradition to pray in this bodily way, to offer even our body, our posture, not just our heart, not just our mind, not just our will. It's not only an interior expression of surrender, it's actually an outward expression of affection and worship. I even was thinking about a priest. And in the rubrics, they have certain things that they do with their hands as an expression of what they're saying. Yes. How crazy is that? I've never thought of that. Yeah, that's beautiful. I can be distracted in worship at times. Okay. I think we all can. Like, oh, it's too loud. I don't like this song list. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we are, we're maybe some of the worst about it because... We have a very specific desire in worship, which is to fix our eyes on Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some modern contemporary worship is like kind of about us mm-hmm. and our interior. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. If you ever come to a Blessed Is She retreat or revival, and please come, we want to pray with you. We want our hearts to be united with you. We want the surrender of your life to permeate out from your soul in worship with us, together deepen our yes to the Lord. Please come. But in worship with Blessed Is She, we always want every word, every song, every movement of that time in worship to be about realigning or right-ordering our gaze on Jesus, not navel-gazing. We're remembering who He is and what He's done And I remember a worship leader friend of ours, Tam Lee, this was at the Arise Conference, so like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, Wow, more. I remember him trying to wake the congregation up in the morning and saying a simple way to enter into worship is to remember and thank God for who he is, 
and what he's done. So then he just did it. He just started saying like who he is, your healer, good shepherd, uh, mighty God, Prince of peace. And, And we just all started to pray that way. And the spirit moves and we're just calling on God by name mm-hmm. and by the expression of his heart captured in that name. It's powerful. Yes. Hope in us rises up. Faith in us is stirred up. And then remember what he's done. God, you set me free. Yeah. You saved me. I was in the pit, God, and you came. You healed my family. You showed up for my child, whatever it might be. But to start getting specific, it helps to remember why he's so worthy of worship. Because I think much of the time, we're walking around in kind of a haze, Mm. almost sleepwalking through our lives. And it does take some effort, which I think is why worship is so central to waking up, Mm. because it does engage our whole body, our whole soul. We get our mind on board. Here's who you are. Here's what you've done. I'm going to give you my body, my attention, my energy, right? And I'm going to sing songs that echo and declare the words that you yourself said, God, in Scripture. Yeah. I mean, talk about power. There's a song I love. It is spontaneous worship. This woman sings, something always changes when I bless your name. The air gets clearer. The sun gets brighter. My soul gets lighter when I bless your name. And that, my friends, I'm going to tell you, is true. That's worship in a nutshell. Yeah. The air gets clearer. Absolutely. Like, whoo, all those things. We, had, we were at small group last night, and I think all four of us at one time said, like, I've just really been in my head about this. Yeah. Like, worship, the air gets clearer. Whoo, all that fog. That cloudy stuff is going to go away. Totally. The sun gets brighter. Suddenly there's hope. Mm-hmm. There's light. There's warmth. My soul gets lighter. He lifts our burdens. We know we're not alone in them anymore. That's the movement of worship. That's the fruit of worship. Yes. You know, when I think about my personal testimony of God's faithfulness to me, healing, delivering me from from pornography, lust, masturbation, I could never stop thanking him. Mm -hmm. And I would still be grateful. Mm -hmm. I could spend my whole life thanking him for that grace, that miracle. Father Mark Mary, second shout out, my goodness, recommended a a documentary. It's available on Amazon Prime for free uh, called The Heart of Man. Just, you know, a little word of caution. It is pretty intense. It's only about an hour and 10 minutes. But I, t- I texted you. It felt like two and a half hours. Like it's, you're engaged the whole time. Your soul is just laid bare. Mm. Hearing other people's uh, story of impurity, sin, shame. It is very intense. And yet it's profoundly beautiful those stories, those experiences of abuse, sin, shame, recovery, restoration, right? Marriages being redeemed. Mm. It's so beautiful and it's so pure and it gives a lot of hope, but it is very intense. And I remember watching and thinking, 
they're kind of dramatically even reenacting or dramatically presenting kind of this experience of wandering from the father Mm. and his perfect love to pursue lesser loves. It's extremely uh, poetic and there's no dialogue in those scenes Mm -hmm. at all. It's, It's just all in the eyes, in the body language. It's fascinating. And I got toward the end of it. I'm hearing the end of these people's stories, which again are so precious our story is so precious to God, you know? And I couldn't believe that the Lord healed and delivered me. One man in the documentary said, it took 11 years for my marriage to be restored. And one man said, it took me 50 years to wipe the face of my earthly father off of the heavenly father. I was so in awe of the time that the Lord took to restore And when I was in the midst of my struggle and my sin, I thought, this is going to last forever. I mean, those 20 years were torturous. But on the other side of it, it's like they didn't even exist. (laughs) The the grace of that miracle has washed over all of those memories. So that for me, that miracle is a font of worship, of thanksgiving, of praise. Yeah. Remembering what he did for me, that's where I start. It's so good. There's another song, sorry, to be bringing up songs. It's called No Longer Slaves. It's by Jonathan and Melissa Helzer. But the bridge says, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and sing. I am a child of God. And that is why I can never stop singing. I was rescued. Mm-hmm. And I will every single day of my life, whether interiorly or in my body, stand and sing, I am a child of God. Because of what he did. Right. Like, how could I ever stop? How could I ever stop proclaiming what he did? That would be unjust. It would be dishonest. Yeah. To think that we could have done it on our own. Yeah. I wonder if, just kind of as we wrap up, if we could invite you into prayer, into worship wherever you are, in your kitchen, making dinner, <laughs> you know, driving around in your car. Is there a song that you love, that you've connected with? And ask the Holy Spirit, what is the Red Sea that you parted for me? Hmm. Where can I stand in the middle of that split Red Sea and declare, I am a child of God because of what you did. Mm-hmm. And let that be the source of your worship. Let that be the beginning mm. of your worship. Start there. Yeah. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that you are healer, deliverer, rescuer, Savior. And it wasn't a a one-time salvation. You're saving us every day of our lives. You see even now the places where we need saving. So would you come, come and save us all over again. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate our minds, bring up in our hearts those Red Sea moments where you made a way, where you rescued us. And would you fill us Like you talk about in the Psalms, would you fill us with a new song? Give us a new song to sing about who you are and what you've done. And as we sing, Lord, as we cast down our crowns, 
we receive again our dignity, our identity, your love. Let your love crown us. We love you, Jesus. You're so worthy. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, I just want to read Revelation just to close us out, because the church teaches us that this is what heaven is like, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. heaven meets earth in mass, mm-hmm. which is the highest form of worship. Mm-hmm. This is what it says in Revelation 4, verse 8. We've got the author here. Here we go, John. St. John. Day and night, without ceasing, they sing, Holy, 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 the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to the one who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the elders fall before the one who is seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Later, verse 5, verse 12, singing with full voice, Worthy is a lamb that was slaughtered to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and glory and honor and blessing. I mean, all throughout this book, we are are invited to join in the song of the angels and the elders and the saints who surround the throne and worship with their voice singing, holy are you, worthy are you. Our Lord Jesus Christ died for us on a cross Mm -hmm. so that we could be with him forever in heaven to do just this. Mm -hmm. And we're invited to do that here on earth. So often in prayer, it can feel like, is this just me? Am I all alone? Does God even hear? But when we worship, when we read Revelation and we understand what worship is, no longer is God far off. Yeah. In worship, He takes us up. Yes. Into heaven. We're around the throne, surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And suddenly all of their faith, all of their worship, their song fills us. No longer are we alone when we worship. We don't have to wonder where God is in worship. He's seated on the throne, and we can be right there with Him, with the whole triumphant church in heaven every time we worship. Yeah, that's some good news. If you wanted to hear Jenna Gizar preach, just get her talking about worship. Talk about worship. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we love you guys. We sure do. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.